Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. You know, last week, Pastor Dan's message, um, we're in the series Love God, Love People, and his message last week was, was focused on how God loves us, how God loves us how he shows his love to us, how he displays his love to us. But I think more than anything, um, what, I, what I took away from last week was that we have to let God love us before we, we're able to love him or we're able to love anything else. Because I'll tell you, there's, there was a lot of my life where me personally, I grew up thinking I wasn't worthy, right? I wasn't worthy. And I've shared before, too, there was, there was a long time in my life where I... I I truly didn't know how to love. And I can remember asking somebody, a friend of mine in this church, after I'm married, I really don't know if I know how to love. I'm, I'm not sure. And why wasn't I sure? The reason why I wasn't sure is because I really hadn't acknowledged that I was worthy of, of love from Christ, that Christ truly did love me. And until we can grasp that concept and until we can understand that, and until we can take that in our hearts, I truly don't think that we can put that out and we can display that to others. So we need to be reminded of that. And I thought that was fantastic last night that he was, or last Sunday that he was talking to us about it. So today we're going to talk about how we love God, how we can show God that we love him. I thank Pastor Dan for this topic because this is a difficult one because we talk about performance a lot, don't we? We're not here to perform. We're not here to please people. But if we're not going to perform, how do we please a God that we can't see, right? How do we please a God that we can't physically touch, correct? Because then it's all about performance. It's about what we're doing, right? But not necessarily. Because it's having the heart of Christ inside of us that's going to allow us and change our minds and change our hearts to want to be with him, to be around him, and to display him in everything else that we're doing and the people that we come across. You know, when Laura and I, we first started dating, she thought I was a stud, I was sexy, handsome man in college. She loved watching me walk around campus. She wanted to be with me all the time. She was chasing me like crazy. It was hard. I was running. She was chasing. It was difficult. But I, I was thinking, you know, isn't there times, there's times in our lives where we adore somebody where we love somebody, where we care about somebody, and we do just unreal, wacky things. You know, there was times when it was our first summer that we were officially dating, and we were separated by distance. I was down in the southeast side, not Detroit, southeast side of Michigan, and, and she was up here in the Falmouth area, and I would drive three hours one way on a Friday night after working all week, to come and see her for a Saturday to go to church on Sunday morning and to leave. And I did that every single weekend. And then during the week, I would talk to her for hours a night on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. But I would talk for hours on the phone. I would send her stuff in the mail. I would send her stuff, in the, and I'm not talking like a, a letter, although I did send a letter, and I sent, of course, a, a tape, a cassette tape of love songs, because I think that's what every guy from like the 80s and 90s did, but I did it, but I sent, I sent her wall art, I sent her a radio for her car, I did all kinds of stuff, I, was, I sent her packages, I'm going to tell you what, if there's a guy that likes my daughters, don't do that, because I'm on to you right now, I'm on to you, don't. But I was trying to woo her, wasn't I? Because I cared about her. I cared about her. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to hear her voice, right? I cared about how her day went. And when you care about somebody and you love somebody, you want to spend all your time with them. You want to do whatever you possibly can with them. I was sitting at my desk this week, and I was getting ready, and I was writing my message. It was, it was I don't know. I, it was actually last week that I was sitting down and I was writing and going over things. You know, how we show God we love him. Devotions, prayer, serving, tithing, attending church, loving others. 
The list can go on and on, right? But it's, it's kind of like doing, isn't it? It's doing. But how many things do I do for Laura? I love her. I'm going to do all that I can for her, aren't I? If she asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. If she wants something, I'm going to do my best to get it, aren't I? You see, we have, to, we have to show Christ that same kind of love, those same kinds of things. So I'm writing down all these things that we can do as Christians to show and display to God that we love him. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm writing this down and I'm, I'm looking out my window. Um, we have this little room where I have a table that's on a loud corner of our house to, to kind of go over some stuff. And I'm looking out the window and it looks over the Clam River. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. The snow is down. Ice is all over the place. The river's half frozen. Ducks are out there. An otter that I desperately want to see go away was out there. There's all kinds of stuff out there. And I was just kind of awestruck. And I was sitting there and I was like, this is pretty amazing. But I think even more amazing was the fact that I get to see it. And I was sitting there and I was like, how, how many times do I, do I sit there and I say thank you just for having sight? The ability to see something. And what do I do with it? Do I share it? Do I hide it? Do I display it? You see, God created us with five basic senses. Sight, smell, hearing, tasting, and touch. So this was going to be a small part of the end of my message, but as I was writing it, it turned into the bulk of my message. So I changed my message on Monday, Tuesday morning-ish. As I said to Laura, I said, I I have so much to say and I only have so much time to do it, so I I got to get it all out the best I can. You see, our five senses help us understand and notice what's happening in our life and our environment and the world around us, right? That's how we know what's going on. Engaging God with all five of our senses is an important aspect of our journey with Christ, though. We can see these five senses, senses used in the Bible, and we can see them both physically and we can see them used spiritually. Because what did Jesus do with Thomas? Right? Thomas. Thomas had to put his hands in his wounds, didn't he? He had to physically touch them. He had to physically see them, didn't he? And then David tells us in Psalms that we're to taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste and see. How can we show God that we love him using the senses that he gave us? So our first sense, the sight, we can read about in Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I'm not going to sing the song, but I instantly thought of that when I read that. You see, do I praise him for the gifts of beauty that he placed in creation? Do I thank him? Do I say thank you for that, that view of the river, right? Or we had an ice storm not too long ago, and people were posting pictures left and right about how beautiful the roads were. I don't know how you were taking those while you were driving. That's highly illegal. But there was ice everywhere, all kinds of stuff. It was beautiful. You see, that's the physical. What about this morning? We could see worship, right? We could read the the words on the screen, correct? I'm going to tell you, I don't know those songs. I don't know those songs, but this gift of sight right here has allowed me to read those so that I can sing to him and I can worship him. Pastor Dan last week, he talked about when Emily woke him up at midnight to go out and look at the stars. Laura, don't ever do that. But there was this time where Emily woke him up to go out and look at the stars, right? And Emily was sitting there, and she, she was just thinking, you know, out of all this expanse, out of everything that he created, he loves little tiny me, doesn't he? And that's awesome, and he does. But it's also a beautiful thing to look at, isn't it? To sit out there, especially on a winter night, right? See your breath, see those stars out there brighter than ever. That's a pretty amazing sight. You see, then we read in the Bible, about Saul on the road to Damascus, right? And his, his moment with God. And what did he physically have in his eyes? He was physically blinded. He had scales, right? Didn't he have scales on his eyes? 
I think there's so many times, too, where I can tell you that I don't believe something unless I what? See it. Because seeing is believing, correct? But how do you believe in a God that you can't see? You have to be willing to see him in other things. You have to be willing to see him in people, places, situations, moments. Moses in the burning bush. This is a big one for me because I can relate to this. Because if I'm walking down a path and I see a burning bush on fire, and that burning bush is not burning up, what am I naturally going to do? I'm going to go check it out, right? I think God knew that he had to get Moses' attention, didn't he? He had to stop him in his tracks. Moses was a guy on a mission, wasn't he? And he was doing stuff, and he was busy, and he was working, but he could also process information. So as that bush is on fire, and Moses sees that that bush is not turning to ashes, he goes over there and he checks it out. And at that moment, that's when God spoke to him, didn't he? That's when he grabbed his attention, isn't it? Seeing something physically, and then getting something spiritually. Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. This is referring to our spiritual eyes, right? Spiritual vision, so that we can see the world from whose viewpoint? From God's viewpoint. God's viewpoint. Not only can we see the world from his viewpoint, but when we begin to have his vision, we see the path that he has lit up for us. How many times do... Do we talk to friends or family and we, can, we just say, I can't see where God's taking me. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where we're going. How close are you to him in those moments? Are you spending time with him so that that path can be lit and that you can see the direction in which he has for you? Or have you separated yourself from Christ and put distance in your relationship and things around you are getting cloudy? Going back to Saul, I'm going to tell you, he was, what, one of the worst of the worst, wasn't he? Slaughtered people, right, for professing their faith in Christ. Dead. Drag you out of your house, women, children, husbands, just for being a Christian. And then in a moment, he's saved, Right? loses his sight, sight is regained and restored, and at that moment, not only could he see physically, but also spiritually, his perspective was changed, wasn't it? Because now he was seeing through the heart of Christ. Now he was seeing people differently. Now he was seeing situations differently. Now he was experiencing love and kindness and gentleness Our second sense is sound. This is probably, this is one of the first stories actually that I read um, when I started going to church for the first time. Because I scoured looking for where God made made himself visible. Where he made himself visible to people. Where he proved to people that he existed. In 1 Kings 19, 9 through 13. There he went into a cave and spent the night. He is Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before before the Lord. Is that right? No, that's not right. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You see, God showed himself to Elijah. And he didn't show himself as a destructive wind, a dividing earthquake, or a raging fire. God was in a soft and gentle whisper. 
what Elijah realized is that God does not always show himself as powerful fire coming down from heaven moments, does he? Often our expectations are to hear God. I have expectations to hear God. You know, I've went to conferences desiring and expecting to hear God. I'm fasting. Why? Because I want to hear something from the Lord. I want some direction. But I have expectations on him, don't I? I'm seeking him in places rather than just coming to him wherever I'm at all the time, aren't I? I believe with all my heart that God is desiring for us to listen to him in everything. Absolutely everything that we're doing, listen. You can hear God in the way that people talk, can't you? Right? You can hear God in music. You hear God in family. You hear God in conversation. But you can sit in this sanctuary with all the lights off and nobody in here and hear God. Isn't that what we do when we love someone? We listen to them, don't we? I'm going to tell you right now, I listen. I do my best to listen. Unless football's on or something like that. I do my best. You know, Laura and I, last, last night we were talking. And, and Melanie's got Survivor on because right now we're on like this huge Survivor kick. We're watching all the seasons for some odd reason. But, so we're watching Survivor. And, and even though I love it, I turned my face and my attention to my wife. So I missed Rob getting kicked out of Survivor last night. But I care about what she says. I want to I be a part of her conversation. I want to contribute to what's going on, right? Am I showing Jesus the same love, a greater love than I'm showing my own wife? Am I doing that? I wrote this down this morning. I said, are the things, are the things around me as loud as the wind that can destroy mountains? Is my life in turbulence right now? Are things around me chaotic and unstable like an earthquake? I've never been in an earthquake. I've only seen several movies about earthquakes. They don't look fun. But is that, is that my environment? Is that what's going on in my life right now? Am I in an earthquake, a constant earthquake 24-7? Are things around me destructive like wildfires? Fire destroys stuff. But is that what's going on around me? Am I standing in the middle of a raging fire and watching everything around me collapse? Or is my environment still enough in which I can hear him? Am I listening to him in absolutely everything? You see, God is found gently whispering in the quietness of a humble heart. In the quietness of a humble heart. Things around you don't need to be chaotic. Nine out of ten times, it's our own choices, our own decisions that make life that way because that's not what God wants for us. But how many times am I a noisy, clanging cymbal that's rough on the ears and not easy to listen to? How many times? How many times am I around people or am I in, in meetings or situations in which I'm engaging with other people and people want to walk away? They don't want to hear what I have to say because what I have to say is destructive. What I have to say is not wholesome. Is that, is that representing Christ? Am I leaving a mark on somebody by, by what Christ is doing in my life, by how I'm talking to the things that are coming out of my mouth in which they're hearing? Because the things that are coming out of my mouth that they're hearing should be wholesome, should be good, should be uplifting, should be encouraging, right? He wants us to be a reflection of him in all the things that we're saying. We're showing God that we love him by sharing with others what he is saying. We have the sense of touch. The first touch recorded in the Bible is God creating Adam and Eve. God creating Adam and Eve. We read in Genesis that all of creation was what? Into existence. It was spoken into existence, wasn't it? 
spoken into existence with the exception of mankind. The creation of man and woman was different. The experience was close, personal, and hands-on. In Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. What did they want to do? They wanted to make. The Greek word for make is katizo. Katizo. And it means to create, form, and shape from one's hands. God touched them. God made them. We also read later in the Bible that the Levites prohibited touch in a variety of circumstances. They made strict distinctions between what was clean and unclean, which prohibited touch in many ways. But when Jesus began his ministry, we see all that change, right? The New Testament, Jesus is touching people and allowing others to touch him. And that touch restored health, healed lepers, healed the blind, and revived the dead. We can also see that Jesus received little children into his arms, didn't he? He wanted to receive them. You see, Jesus didn't need to touch people to heal them. He didn't even speak a word to heal them. But he did it. And why did he do it? And I think he did it because he had compassion, right? He had compassion upon the people. He had love for them. God gave us that same touch. He gave us that ability to touch. He gave us that ability to come into someone else's life and leave an impact on them to touch them. We can use touch like a hug, a handshake, a simple display on someone's arm or leg out of compassion, right? Or an attaboy, good job. We can do all those things, can't we? We have the ability to touch. But we need to ask ourselves, are we showing God that we love him and reflecting that love to others in the way that I touch someone? Touch is powerful, extremely powerful. Is the touch loving or is it destructive? I've shared with you a lot of times. Grew up in a different situation. You know, it was rough, not easy all the time. Very rarely was the touch the love, right? So ask yourself, and I mean this with all my heart, how are you touching your kids? How are you touching your spouse? How are you touching your family? How are you touching your community? We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. But unless we're utilizing these things that God gave us, we're not going to make an impact for him, are we? And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We have the sense of smell. Smell plays an important part of the Bible from the aromas of burnt offerings in the Old Testament through perfume that was used to anoint Jesus. Old Testament, okay? Genesis 8, 21. Noah gets out of the ark, right? What's the first thing he does? What? First thing he did? Altar. Built an altar. What did he put on the altar? A sacrifice. It says in the Bible, God smelled the burning sacrifice and the aroma was pleasing to him. God could smell. God could smell what Noah was doing. From Genesis 2 all the way to Revelation 18, there's more than 200 references to smell, odor, the utilization of that sense. He's telling us to use it. I wrote down, <clears throat> what do I smell like? What do I smell like? When I, when I leave the room, is my aroma good or is my aroma bad? Right? Are we representing Christ? I'll tell you, I mask my scent. 
I put cologne on, I put deodorant, I'll be one stinky man. But I want, I, want, I want people to think I smell good. I want people to think, I like to smell that man. He smells good. I'm going to tell you that don't matter. That don't matter. You're going to smell good to the people around you. you are gonna la- you're going to leave a lasting impact, right? Why? Because, because that sense of smell is powerful, and it lasts, and it puts a memory upstairs, and it tells us those situations. It'll tell you whether things were good or whether they were bad, because you can smell a rose, right? That rose smells good, but you can also smell a rose in a bad situation, and that rose might not be so pleasing to you, because you're reminded of a circumstance, a situation, or an event that was not good in your life. And that smell triggered it. We have a blanket in our house. It's called Blanky One. Yes, Blanky One. Why? Because we had two of them at one time that were favorite blankets, and now we're down to one. But we named them Blanky One and Blanky Two. And we never wanted to lose Blanky One and Blanky Two. One day we lost Blanky Two. The world ended. But now we have Blanky One. And I love Blanky One. I love it. It's pink. It's got polka dots on it. And I love Blanky One. Blanky One smells like no other. I can, I, there's nothing, I, I, can't, I can't describe what Blanky One smells like. It's, like. it's like Jesus to me, I think. It's just love. Like, I love. I can smell Blanky One. We put blanky one in the washer. It don't matter. We put blanky one in the dryer with dryer sheets. It don't matter. Blanky one comes out blanky one. There's one smell to blanky one. I know what my wife smells like. I know what all my kids smell like. Right? I can tell you what my dad smelled like growing up. I can tell you what my mom smelled like. I can tell you, I can tell you what. Little town beef jerky smells like compared to all the other beef jerkies. Smell is huge. Second Corinthians 2.15 For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. You see, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul's telling the Corinthians they're a fragrance. They're an aroma, right? The sweet scent of Jesus is what he's telling them. Paul's telling them, them and us, that our actions and deeds leave the sweet scent of Jesus. Love wherever we go. Ask yourself, am I leaving that lingering sweet aroma of Christ for others? Or am I masking my awful stench Look at your life. Look at how you're treating people. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're saying. Look at how you're touching people. It matters. Now, are you leaving that sweet smell of Jesus, or are you trying to cover up something that you did? Our last sense is taste. This is probably my favorite one. Touch is my favorite one, I think. But taste is good, because when I think of taste, I think of food, and I love to eat. I love to, oh my goodness, do I love to eat. And the seven days has been hard, because I haven't had Oreos. I haven't had chocolate, really, I don't think. Chocolate? No chocolate. She's got this crazy list, like you can't have a potato chip, because it has a carb in it and breaks down to sugar. So I've been doing my best to stay away from those, too. But I love food. I love meat. There's a lot of references in the Bible to food, right? God rained down manna from heaven, directly from heaven. Elijah was fed bread and meat from ravens. He also commanded the widow to cook for him her last loaf of bread. Feeding of the 5,000, which probably was more like 15,000 or more. 
But the one I, I like that I, I really love is after, after Jesus is crucified, he, he rises from the dead. The disciples are out and they're, they're fishing and, and they have an awful night fishing. It's not going well. They actually are coming back empty-handed. And as they're on their way back to shore, they see someone standing on shore, right? How'd fishing go last night? It was terrible. It was awful. We didn't catch a thing. Well, cast your net on, cast your net on the side of the boat. Cast your net on the side of the boat. They, they have a catch that's so large they can't handle it themselves. They can't hardly bring it in the boat. So they get it in the boat and they finish going to shore. And who's standing there? Who's the person that's talking to them? It's Jesus. And he's standing there and he has a fire going and he has bread made and he's grilling fish for them, right? And he says, bring some more fish. Bring, the, bring some fish from your net. Bring that over here. That's a sign of hospitality, isn't it? That's a sign of love, right? I, I don't know why. Sometimes I think like Jesus is almost like he's a, he came in human form, so he had to experience taste too, didn't he? I bet you he loved food. He probably loved food. He created it. He loved it. We love food too. You see, am I showing that same kind of hospitality, right? Do people have a good taste in their mouth when we're done talking to them? Do people, do people want to come back and get more? Do people want to hear what's coming out? Jesus tells his disciples and us that we're to be the salt of the earth in Matthew 5, 13. Salt, salt's a flavor enhancer, Right? Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it does to food? I mean, I love, I, ooh, I like salt. I do. I like salt. It enhances things, right? It enhances what we're putting in our mouths. I love a rare, a rare tenderloin, not, not anything beyond rare. I love a rare tenderloin cut all up, and then I love to cover it in salt. Oh, my goodness. It's my favorite thing. But that salt's enhancing the things that I'm putting in my mouth. Am I enhancing people's lives? Am I enhancing their life? Am I enhancing their actions? Am I helping them? Am I doing anything for them? My actions, my words. Am I helping people? Our lives should enhance the quality of the life those, of those we meet, of those around us, right? We all have situations and things going on in our lives that probably aren't the best, that aren't the greatest. Remove yourself from those things that are bitter and put yourself in a situation and around people that are enhancing your life, that are speaking life into you. I asked myself, you know, there's this movie, Sing, this animated movie, and there's a little piggy in there, and his name's Gunter, Gunter. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to embarrass my kids. But there's a, there's a part in there where he says, spicy, no? And he's got this little accent and a little chubby pig, and I like it. I like it. But he says spicy, right? Because he's talking about this little red leotard that they're going to fit into. It's enhancing something, isn't it? Are we making others' lives spicy? Are we doing that? Are we setting people up to be successful or are we setting them up to fail? I, I, want, I, I, want, I want to be able to leave a sweet taste in people's mouths and I don't want someone to walk away and be bitter. That's what I need to do. And I'll tell you right now, I am not using those five senses of mine to do that. Not all the time. That little perspective that God gave me looking out my window over the Clam River, it opened my eyes. It opened my eyes. Because we, we are equipped with a lot of tools as human beings to go out and spread the gospel in a lot of different ways and to a lot of people. But we're reluctant to do so, aren't we?
I think we need to ask ourselves if we're taking our senses for granted. You know, with COVID, some people lose the sense of smell and taste. On several occasions, I've been told by people that the loss of taste took all the enjoyment out of eating. All the enjoyment out of eating. That'd be miserable, wouldn't it? To have something just rolling around in your mouth that you can't taste and then you gotta swallow it. You see, it's not until something is taken from us that we realize how much we enjoyed it and we appreciated it, right? You ever, like, break your little toe? That, the little toe is pointless. There's no use for it. Zero. Until you break it. And when you break your little toe, you almost can't walk. Your whole body can't function because your little toe is broken. You need it. And you don't realize how bad you need your little toe until you can't use your little toe anymore. It's at that moment when we realize that we took it for granted, right? We took that thing for granted. We didn't utilize it to its fullest capacity, did we? We can take our relationship with Jesus for granted. I take the senses that he gave me for granted. I literally can forget to slow down and literally smell the roses. Use that sense of smell to smell those roses. I take for granted the opportunity to hug ones that I love. What would our worlds be like? I mean, think about it. If you didn't have one of your senses, what would your world be like? Life would be very different. So what am I doing with the senses that I do have? We need to joyfully and gratefully use what we've been given. And some of us don't have all five senses. We need to use the senses that we have been given to empower ourselves and each other to follow Christ, to follow him. Not only to show Jesus we love him, but to also show others that he loves them. If we touch others in kindness, but our words sound and bring destruction, what does that say to the others about how Jesus is working in our lives? Because we're a reflection of Christ. When we bring the aroma of love to people, which is a reflection of Jesus, is it leaving a bitter taste in someone else's mouth? Right? Because when you smell something, you can taste it. When I smell tenderloin on the grill, I taste it. I taste it. Understanding God and letting him love us, we naturally change into someone who wants to represent him in all that we do. Going all the way back to the beginning of this message. How can we show Christ that we love him? We change our hearts and we change our minds. Our actions will change. Our priorities change. How we interact with people change. Your life changes. He created senses for us, and he intended on us to use them and return love to him and to show others how he loves them. We cannot take them for granted at all. You remember these things, these bracelets, these little rubber bands, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, what were these intended for? These were intended to be a reminder of what Jesus would do, right? A visual representation, a stop in moment of losing your temper, a stop in moment of an action that you're about to do, a reminder of what would Christ do in this situation? I'm going to wear this. It worked. Just the other day it worked. I had it on, boom. I was gonna do one thing but did another. I was actually going to Verbally be destructive to somebody. I did not like what was happening. I did not like what was going on. I lost my patience. And seeing this was a very good reminder as to how I'm supposed to conduct myself and how I'm supposed to act. I was going to lose my patience after I wrote this message. I'll be darned, Pastor Rich. It's a good reminder. You want one, they're outside, out of the sanctuary on your way out. Ushers will have them for you, grab one, put it on. Let it be a reminder on how we are to use our five senses and conduct ourselves in representing Christ to all of those around us. Now, brothers, sisters, don't take them home and try and put them around each other's necks or anything like that. I want you to wear them on your wrist as a reminder 
as to not only what Christ did for us, but how we're supposed to represent him to other people. Amen? Before we close, I know we're running a little bit long, but one of the points in my message that I was going to talk about was attending church. And rather than tiptoe around it, I'm just going to say it. Rather than hiding it in a message, I'm just going to talk to you. Okay? It's important to be in church. It's important to be around a body of believers. It's important to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ. Early April, I was on a Zoom call with some fellow pastors all over the country, all over the country, and I can remember a pastor out of Texas saying, I am fearful of what's going to happen to church after COVID. I couldn't figure out why. I was like, this is awesome. You know, we could shut some things down. I could watch my underwear. It's not awesome. You see, what he was fearful about is exactly what's happening right now. We've made it so simple, so easy for people to watch TV, watch an app, watch a live stream, listen on the radio, that we don't have to come to church anymore, do we? We don't have to. If I got a sniffle, I don't have to come to church. If my little pinky toes broke, I don't have to come to church. Wrong. We need to be in church. A Gallup poll in 2019 stated that roughly 50% of Americans say that they belong to a church. 50% of America say they belong to a church. Now, a full-time Christian, according to this poll, is somebody that attends church once or twice a month. Once or twice a month. Doesn't engage in any kind of serving, doesn't engage in any other way, just attends church once or twice a month. So 50% of America prior to COVID attended church. Right now, 53% of that 50% are no longer attending church. 25% of America is attending church. That's not good. It's not good. And I'm going to tell you, there's all kinds of people out there. I have friends that are doctors. I love them dearly. They're close friends of mine. I believe them. I trust one very, very, very much, enough to have surgery. Medical professionals, people around the world, the WHO, CDC, all kinds of places have been telling us and giving us information over the last almost year, right, about what's going on, what COVID is. But I'm going to tell you something. I feel as a church, we get targeted because we're a hot spot. We're a hot spot. We're not a hot spot. We're not a hot spot. And it hurts and it aches in my heart that that, that's coming out, that that's getting said. Because I'm going to tell you what, we just got out of the holiday season, and for two months, for two months, I shopped with people uncontrollably. Right? I mean, how many times are we in stores in which we're standing in line with only three registers open and the line's a mile long we're all congregating and talking to each other? Or how many people are fighting in the ice cream aisle for Ben and Jerry's or potato chips or the pop? Right? Or Nerf guns. I love Nerf guns. But we're, we're packed in these places. We're absolutely packed in these places. But don't pack yourself in a church. Matter of fact, spread out and don't come if you can. I disagree with that strongly. Very strongly. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 24, 10, or 10, 24 through 25. The author of Hebrews is telling us right here how to persevere in faith, how to persevere, how to push through how to live through something, right? How to stand tall, how to stay strong, how to get through a situation, how to come out on top. And let us consider how we may spur, spur, challenge, encourage, engage, lift up, be together, one another, and toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Do not give up meeting together. And some are in the habit of doing, as some. 
as some. Why? Because this, a similar situation was happening at the same time. A similar situation. The church was congregating, the church was coming together, but only some of them were. And he's, the, the author is telling us, don't do this, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, because it's coming. The day is coming. I understand people are really sick. That's, that's no joke. That's not a lie. I understand it. And if you're sick, don't come to church. If you're sick, don't go to school. If you're sick, don't go to work. It's real. But also, if you have a physical handicap, you might not be able to make it to church. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are elderly people that may not be able to make it to church right now. Why? Because it's real. We're not disregarding the fact of what's going on and what's happening. It's a real thing. But a slight pause in March has led to a mass exodus because we're uncomfortable or we'd wa rather watch church from our underwear. And that's a legit thing. Why? I'm going to say it. We're lazy. And you want to know where I, I really seen the fact that I was a lazy person? When I went to Nepal in 2013 and we were at a conference in Nepal and people walked days. People walked days to come to this conference. You're going to get, I won't walk to the school, which is five miles down the road. And I'm going to tell you right now, I probably won't walk to church. People walked days through danger, right? Because they're one or two percent of the religion over in Nepal. One or two percent. You're going to die if you're caught. To come, to hear, to hear the word of God preached, to hear the word of God sung, to say it, to listen to it, to encourage each other, to spur one another on. They walked days. I'm not disregarding COVID, but I'm going to tell you what, we've perfected the way to use it as an excuse. We need to stop. We need to be in church. We need to encourage each other. We need to be together. We need to love. And I'm telling you, it's an important part of our spiritual journey to be here. Because I mean with all my heart, I would rather lose my physical life than risk losing my eternal life. It's not worth it. And I'm going to tell you from a circumstance in my life, if I'm not here and I'm not spurred, things easy, it's easy to get further and further and further and further away. And eventually, we're not even listening anymore. We're not using our five senses. We're not a representation of him. We're not going to church. We're not doing devotions. We're not worshiping. We're not doing any of those things. We're accountability together, aren't we? We work together, don't we? We have a mission as brothers in Christ, don't we? But I'm gonna tell you, coming here and getting fed and taking that outside of these four walls is awesome. It's awesome. So I challenge you as a church, talk to your friends, talk to your coworkers, talk to your family. If we got to put more chairs in here, we'll put more chairs in here. If we got to spread these rows out more, we'll spread them out more. If we got to sit in the concourse, we'll sit in the concourse. If we got to open the door and preach outside, we'll preach outside. But I'm going to tell you, people need to be in church. I'm done. It's 1016. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the five senses that we have been blessed with. We thank you that we have them. Lord, as we go out into our lives and we're in situations and we're in places and we're around people, let us engage with those senses. Let us use those senses to reflect you, Lord. And not only when it's with people, Heavenly Father, when it's in the stillness and the quietness, let us be reminded, Heavenly Father, of your love, your greatness, your glory. 
Lord, I ask to be reminded on a daily basis. I'm asking for that reminder to be accountable. I don't want to fall away. I don't want to lose sight. I want to fight the good fight. I want to keep the main thing the main thing. I was talking to a friend this morning. The fight has not changed. The fight has not changed. It's the same. It's the same. And what is that fight? It's to share the love of God with all the people that we come, come in contact with. for forgiveness because I'm, I'm not I'm not great at that I'm not perfect at that and I don't I'm not striving to be perfect but I want to be better and I want to do better and I'm going to do better by coming to you and being in your presence I'm going to do better by coming to you and listening to your word and reading your word I'm going to do better by being surrounded by you and looking for you and seeing you and hearing you and everything around me so tune me in Lord Tune me into that Holy, that Holy Spirit. We love you, Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook. Resurrection Life Church Cadillac for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.